Hi, I'm Georgia Graham, and I'm a writer, journalist, and retired model. This is Threads of Conversation, a show on Sometimes Radio where I talk to creative people about their life and career, as told by their clothes. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Irish fashion stylist Celestine Cooney. After being expelled from school, Celestine went on to study film in Dublin before moving to London to work for Dazed fashion director Nicola Formicetti. Since then, Celestine has collaborated with many of the world's leading fashion brands, and her work has appeared in the likes of ID, The Face, Italian Vogue, and of course Dazed, where it all began. But where did it really begin? Let's hear more from the woman herself. This is Threads of Conversation. want to ask you about is a piece that reminds you of your childhood yeah so what have you chosen so I have chosen I got a, a Gosha Ruchinsky suit it's like a gray pinstripe 80s like d- banker dad suit um baggy pants belt loops kind of like square shoulders and stubble breasted. Um, I got it in Dover Street and it's menswear, but I love it. And I think every time I wear it, I just feel like, I don't know. I kind of feel like, oh, what's his name? He's in American Psycho. Oh, um, Patrick Bateman. Right? I feel like Patrick Bateman. Like I feel kind of like dangerous, but I also feel like I have his confidence. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) So basically... This suit, um, when I was younger, I was always, I used to wear like loads of boys clothes. And then for my confirmation, which is um, like, I was raised Catholic in Ireland and your you confirmation comes after, what'd you say? I said you don't say. No, I know. Um, so you do your communion first and that's when you all dress up like little tiny brides of Christ and you basically get communion for the first time and that's like the white dress and the big white veil um but when you get to let's say about 12 and you make your confirmation and everyone had kind of graduated from this top of the Christmas tree fairy to kind of like a 1950s housewife look so they all like these floral dresses kind of mid-calf ribbon at the waist you know, very feminine, like 1950s housewives, basically. And I had chosen a green corduroy shorts and waistcoat suit with a check shirt. And the, the, it was green cord waistcoat and the back of it had like a yellow paisley back, the waistcoat. Wow. <laughs> and I got like Burlington socks. You know, the Burlington socks with a little stud on the side. Mm-hmm. And a pair of Dr. Martens. I was the first girl in my class to get Dr. Martens. And it was a huge deal. I remember looking at them and just the feeling they gave me. You know, it was a bit the Patrick Bateman thing again. I just felt like I was invincible whenever I was wearing the, yeah, the Dr. Martens. Um, and this suit, so I rocked up. And everyone was dressed like a housewife. And I was pretty much dressed like a little tiny husband. My dad used to wear like three-piece kind of tweed suits and stuff and always wore Burlington socks so weirdly I think I just imprinted so hard on my dad when I was a kid that 
that was my vibe then. Mm. You know, at 12, that was what I was just like, yeah, this is my jam. Mm. And it never occurred to me to try and fit in, <laughs> you know, or look like everyone else or like I was very kind of, I think I had just very unique taste. And did your parents try and make you dress in a more feminine way or did they allow you quite a lot of freedom in terms of how you styled yourself? Do you know what's amazing? My mother always says that when people say to me about the fashion thing and I'm like, oh, it was totally an accident. Like I did, it was never my dream or it's not something I intended on. My mother says I used to change my clothes like five times a day. She had five children. Can you imagine? She must have just wanted to kill me. When I was a teenager and as I got a bit older, I remember my dad just being absolutely horrified with what I wore. Mm. I had one of those bomber jackets, you know, like the classic bomber with the orange inside mm-hmm. and Dr. Martens. I mean, like that was just my comp, the combination. And I was so into it. And my dad was just horrified. Mm. He just thought it was the worst style ever. <laughs> I mean, he thought my style was shocking. Just being a parent, though, can you imagine? And your kid coming down the stairs and you're just like, whoa, this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> you haven't even got all the way down the stairs and I know this is a terrible outfit. But there's something so beautiful about allowing someone to express their style, even if it's absolutely terrible. You know? <laughs> like there's such beauty in just forgiving them over and over again for all their shit outfits. <laughs> so how does that all, like, how did you get from there? What was the part of you that went, I'm going to move to London and become a stylist. Do you know what's mad about that? Like, Gigi, I never knew what I was doing. I never had a plan and I never knew what I wanted to do. Like, I just, I think working my way up through school and stuff, I was really wild. I got expelled and I actually, like, I did enjoy school. There was just, I think I was just really, really hard to manage. And I do remember when I was younger, there's two incidents that I had. One was someone brought me home a fake Chanel T-shirt. It's like an embroidered, and it just says Chanel. on It's a black T-shirt, like gold Chanel. Someone brought that back from some trip. I don't know where. And I remember knowing, I remember knowing that there was something special about this t-shirt I just knew I was looking at it going it was just so desirable to me Mm. to wear it and I felt that that again just my status when I put it on (laughs) my status rose I'm gonna keep coming back to like American (laughs) Psycho I don't know if it's a good a good reference point but there was something about the elevation of where how something can elevate the way you feel about yourself and this Chanel t-shirt did that and then my friend's mother was an air hostess and she used to bring us back Levi's from uh, from America and I remember wearing Levi's and Dr. Martens and just being like this is like it so yeah like I was obsessed with I can remember being very obsessed with these certain things I was obsessed with Benetton mm-hmm. absolutely obsessed Um, I also remember Air Jordans came out Nike Air Jordans and I played a lot of basketball But I remember the Jordans came out and I really wanted Jordans. And I knew, I knew that these were, again, it was the same thing with the Chanel t-shirt. It was just an elevated product. Mm. I knew it had power. And I knew it would give me power by wearing it. 
so I want to move on to your second item. So the second item is the one that reminds you of your career. So what have you chosen for that? Um, it's blue velvet Chanel handbag. They sent it to me one Christmas. Um, I'd gone and done this shoot for them for Vanity Fair. Um, and it was the Metier, one of their Metier d'Art collections. And it was in Edinburgh, Scotland. And I went to the show and it was in a castle <clears throat> and it started snowing. And there was these big, oh, those big metal um, kind of, oh, I can't remember what they're called, fire grates, I guess. So it was like fire and snow. And this collection was just, I mean, it's one, still one of the most magical fashion experiences I'd never been to anything quite like that. Like, I was like, I don't know. It felt like I was in like a movie or something, mm. you know, but like not even like a modern movie, like something historic, like some kind of Russian, like, do you know what I mean? Like historical kind of palace party. <laughs> like it was so mind blowing for me. And I came with, they gave us these beautiful Chanel blankets, which I still have, like Scottish, beautiful, like woven blankets. But that Christmas, this delivery came from them and I opened it and I remember the way I felt because like, honestly, like, I think I stopped breathing <laughs> and I was opening the box and I was like, no way in a million years I think it was a bag. Mm -hmm. like, it was going to be, God, I don't know, like a card holder or something beautiful, but small. Mm -hmm. And when it was a bag... I just, also, this was a time now when I wouldn't have been able to afford to buy expenses. So what was it, if we sort of rewind a bit, so you went to London when you were how old? I was 23 when I got here. And did you know you were going to do fashion? Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, I studied film got a degree in film. I finished school when I was 16. I love how you say film. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. All Irish people say that. I almost wish we were doing a cinema podcast just so you could say film, film, film. And then I watched this film. A hundred times. Um, I finished, um, I, yeah, so I did a degree in film and then came out and was like, I don't think I want to work in film. Like I was just like, I don't, I don't think this is my thing. And so I started I mean, I started like customizing T-shirts and I bought, there was this closing down sale in one of these like warehouses and I bought all these like army jackets and I took them for a pound each and I took them home or like a euro each and I took them home and I like corseted the back of them and I put patches on them and I like put Swarovski crystals on them. I mean, like we're talking like very early Paul's boutique here. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were horrific. <laughs> so anyway, I was customizing. And then that kind of turned into a thing. <laughs> now, let's be, let's just clear, be clear, like it was in Dublin. Do you know what I mean? So it was just me making t-shirts and then photographing them on me and my boyfriend. And then I would just basically rock up to like shops and be like, hey, you want to sell my t-shirts? And I also went to... um there was this uh, magazine there at the time. Actually, this is kind of significant. There was a magazine there called D-Side. 
And I walked up to them and I literally just knocked on their door and they opened the door and I was like, hey, how's it going? Um, my name's Celsius, you know, I make T-shirts and my customized jackets and things. Maybe you guys want to take a look or you want to do like a piece on me? Mm. <laughs> You're fucking sick. I mean, can you believe that? Like sometimes I look back and I'm just like, oh my God, who was she? Who told me to do those things? Absolutely no one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all just my instinct or like my... I don't know, shamelessness. <laughs> like, but they were actually like, oh my God, we love your shit. We dig it. They ordered loads of stuff from me for their friends and family for Christmas and then did a feature on their magazine about me. And then more of that stuff started happening. And so I kind of then started just making T-shirts and making stuff. And then um, um, an editor of a magazine in Dublin, another magazine, which was called The Dubliner. (laughs) They're all named after Dublin. (laughs) Um, He asked me to style a shoot for them. And I was just like, oh, yeah, cool. What's that? And he was like, well, you basically just get the clothes. And you in Dublin, in Ireland, like you would have borrowed the clothes from the shops. Wouldn't have been seasonal. They would have come out month by month and it would have just been what was in the shops. So when it came out, you could just go in and buy it in Brent Thomas or whatever. And I was like, cool, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all can do that. Um, and I ended up being their fashion editor. Then there was another magazine set up called Mongrel, which was actually so lol. They were kind of like vice and they just were constantly getting taken to court because they were <laughs> outrageous. Um, and I ended up being their fashion editor too. Um, and then I, whatever, came over to London to visit some friends and I just left my portfolio which was also, might I add, pictures of me and my boyfriend in the T-shirts I customised. <laughs> there was a separate book of design, <laughs> if we can call it that, um, in with all the shoots that I'd done. And I just left it at the desk, it dazed. And I didn't know you needed an appointment or anything. Or, you know, I just was like, I'm just leaving my book in because I thought that's what you did. And this was at dazed? It was at dazed, yeah. I just looked up the address and dropped it off. When I went to pick it up the next day, I thought I was just going to pick it up. I had no expectation. None. Zero. Um, And Nicola Formicetti was the the fashion editor, fashion director, sorry. And they said to me, oh, Nicola wants to see you. And I didn't know who he was. I mean, to say I was clueless is like, again, an understatement. Like, I just did not know anything. And I walked in and I was just like, oh, hey, geez, sure. Nicola is a girl's name in Ireland. I thought you were a girl there for a minute. (laughs) Like, I think he was just like, who the, what cat dragged this in? And I remember what I wore to meet him. It was Miss 60 Combats. Oh, Miss 60, what an era. What an era, what an era, big. Uh, Nike Air Shocks, a Ralph Lauren floral blouse. Just the cherry on top was an army. Do you know, like the boat army hats? One of them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a lot. Um, and Nicola, I remember sitting him him sitting down with me and just going through everything. And he just asked me loads of questions. And he was just like, "So, what do you want to do?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, like, I want to do what you do." And he was like, uh, "Well, you better come and work for me then." And I was like, "Okay, cool." He was like, when are you moving to London? And I was like, yeah. But I wasn't. I had no plans to move to London there. And then I left there and I was just like, did I just get a job? 
But that's actually what happened. I went home to Ireland, spent Christmas with my family, and then I just moved to London mm. in January, and I just turned up. And was this, was he doing Lady Gaga yet? No, really, no. This is like Earth 15 years ago, Gigi. Mm. Like he wasn't even like nearly doing Lady Gaga. It was, he was working, like he was doing like the most amazing Stussy campaigns and stuff. Mm. And he was the creative director for Uniqlo in the time that I was working for him. He was an amazing boss. Really, really smart man. Were there any moments where you felt like unsure of yourself or you felt like, oh God, I really messed this one up? Oh my God, like every, all the time, all the time. The very first job we went on, very first job. And so anyway, we were just like heading off and we got there and uh, Nicole was like, okay, we'll set up. And he was just like, so uh, like, he used to call me Celestine because he's half Italian. He was like, Chelsea, where are the clothes? And I was like, um, I'd forgotten to bring the clothes. <laughs> I was just like, oh, God. they're under the desk at the office. <laughs> and it took me ages to get my, to get my head around what my job was, because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> at all. And whenever I asked for help in that office, everyone just ignored me. So true, isn't it? I remember when I did my first internships in, and you know, you go and your parents and your sort of friends, they say, now ask lots of questions and talk to everyone around you and you get there and you're like, I don't know what industry you thought I was going to do work experience in, but fashion people do not want to answer your questions. They do not want to be asked questions and they're going to give you absolutely no information. Yeah, your questions are not welcome. But I just put my head down and just worked so hard. And when I'd done all my work, I'd offer to help other people with their work or I'd clean out the cupboard or I was just raised in a family where like work was just what you did. So I just worked. I just worked my way through that until all those people ended up being just like some of the best people I'd ever met and some of my closest friends. And it was real best of times, worst of times. So I guess that leads on to your next item, which is... The piece that made you feel a part of something. Oh, yeah. I have this dress. Um, it's a Simone Rocha dress. And it's like this red tapestry dress. Um, it's like sleeveless, fitted, but it's actually like tapestry. And it goes in around the waist. And then it's kind of like, it's got like this amazing kind of ruffle down the side. Um, <clears throat> I styled Simone's first like few shows out of um, her MA and she's one of my best friends and that piece whenever I put it on makes me feel like it's kind of got this Joan of Arc kind of feel to it but I always think like that the woman that she's created leads armies and those armies are made up of all the other women it's just this amazing female power and strength but it's all wrapped up in like ribbons you know mm-hmm. and I think that whenever I wear Simone's things I always feel like I can lead an army in a way so moving on to your next item I want to know which piece you've chosen that reminds you of a great party Oh, do you know what? I've got two pieces. 
both by Christopher Kane. One is this red bandage dress from the first collection. But that red dress, I wore to a friend's wedding and I hadn't seen an ex-boyfriend for like months. And um, we went to the church. I wore that to a wedding. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Let's just, I'm always like, why didn't anyone say to me that is so inappropriate? <laughs> anyway, I knew I was going to see this ex-boyfriend and we were in the church and I was in this like red dress, skin tight red dress. And um, whatever happened, I think maybe he didn't realize or, but at one point we realized that he was sitting behind me in the church, right behind me. And we kneeled down, like there was kneeling. And when we got up to leave, he'd left already. And I was like, oh, where'd he go? And they basically, he'd just been like, I can't do this. Mm. <laughs> he'd got, got up and left. And we actually got back together that night. <clears throat> And like, we've been apart for like, God, months. But that dress, I just remember understanding the power of something like that. Also, it was red, mm. which is very like, you know, representative, like the color red, you know. Um, Do you have a favorite color? Green. Why doesn't that surprise me? I know. I mean, potatoes and green. I mean, my two favorite things, but... Uh, <laughs> But that dress, I just remember realizing how, and talking to him about it afterwards and him just being like, what the actual fuck? And realizing just the power of something like that. Um, and then the other piece I have of Christopher's, which I just, it, I think it's one of my favorite pieces in my wardrobe. It's, again, it's actually a really rare dress. Um, and my friend Duffy and Lucy got married upstate New York. Someone made loads of hash brownies and everyone got fucked up. <laughs> I mean, like, people got, like, some people weren't okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that level. But I was really okay and had just the best night ever. And Lucy had, and Duffy had, like, built this kind of, like, camp dorm and everyone was sleeping in these little zip, little zip-in kind of cubicle pods. Mm -hmm. sleeping bags. So it was like being back at boarding school. It was just the best party. Everyone also got naked. Everyone took all their clothes off, but everyone was so high. <laughs> anyway, both Christopher, he makes a really good party dress. So now we're moving on to one piece that reminds you, it's ironic that this question comes um, after you talk about going to a party and eating loads of hash brownies, but um, one piece that reminds you of a high. <laughs> With these high and low questions, I also liked high price. So I also wanted to add, I've got this obsession with Hermes towels. I bought, I've bought them on like Vestiaire or I've bought them on eBay. But I just remember being like, whoa, this is a real luxury item because it's so practical and you use it all the time. And it's a towel, like it's not a handbag, it's not a dress. I'm interested to know what was the point in your career where you felt, where you first felt kind of stability, where you felt a sense of, not I've made it, I can just rest on my laurels, but I'm in my lane. I'm not cruising, but there's definitely a sense of, I've, I've got it, I've got this. Do you know what's really crazy? As you're saying that, I'm just a bit like, 
I'd, I'd feel like that maybe for like a day or a mm. day or two, maybe a week, but it never stays. Mm. It never stays. Do you think that's by nature of you or the industry or perhaps you being, are you a competitive person? I think it's probably both. I think it's me and the industry. Am I competitive? No, but I am aware of my potential. And I always want to make sure that I'm fulfilling my potential. Mm. And I think one of my, I always want to be sure that I've done my best. What's been a a moment that's really stood out for you in your career, like a favourite job or just a moment that is really crystallised in your mind as a high, I suppose? Do you know what? There's this there's this shoot that I did in New York and it's before like I'd worked with like a lot of the amazing brands that I've like before I'd worked with Acne and before I'd worked with like, you know, like big brands and stuff. And I moved to New York for a few years and it was about a year into my time in New York. And it was um, I'd always wanted to do the Teen Vogue Young Hollywood portfolio. Like I'd always wanted to do that. That was like my goal like I remember just being like oh my god that's my dream that's my dream and right before Teen Vogue I think it was one of their last issues I got the opportunity to do this this um this teen young Hollywood portfolio and when I got there the photographer missed his flight so came in late and it was honestly one of the most pressurized shoots there was like 16 kids there all different ages all different heights and shapes all with their parents and their press on (laughs) It was like 100 degrees. We were on a ranch in LA, in the LA hills. And something that day switched in me and it's never switched back. So I've tried to describe this a few times because it was life changing, but it's like it switched into, I found a fifth gear in me that I didn't even know I had. And that fifth gear just went into hyperdrive. You know, when, I don't know, it's just like, I guess like writers call it a state of flow or something, but I basically just went into this kind of mode of operation and I didn't stop until we'd finished and just shot all those kids. And there was many times where the photographer was like, they're good, they're good. And I was like, no, they're not, I'm not happy. And I wouldn't let anyone go out to get their picture taken until I was completely happy. And I think it was on that set where I, where I kind of learned how to say what it was that I needed in order to do my job to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. So it was that one, that shoot. Now your next item is the opposite. So it's the item that reminds you of a low or that represents a low. I was trying to, again, I don't have anything in my house that would ever make me feel sad or make me think of a bad time or like anything like that, I get rid of. But again, I just thought I'd segue in with the low cost option because I need to represent Crocs because I love them so much. I love it. She's <laughs> gone from sort of teenage years, early 20s, sponsored by Dr. Martins, and then from mid 20s to now, sponsored by Crocs. Yeah. They just bring me joy. They're so cheap, they're practical, they're functional, they're so functional. They have acupressure soles. You can wear them with or without socks. I think they look great with everything. (laughs) (laughs) 
See, when you when you emailed me the things that you'd chosen, it was funny because I saw this on there. And I, for me personally, obviously, we all know who the stylist in this conversation is, ergo the person that has the last word. And is right, because now Crocs are everywhere in fashion. But for me, if I wore Crocs, I, I won't even let myself put them on because I think they're so dangerously comfortable that they lull you into this false sense of security where you're like, hey, they're not so bad. They're just Crocs. But I would, that would be a low for me, Crocs. But you actually look amazing. I mean, thank you. Do you know why? It's because, because you've got I the ones start... with the flames on them. No, it's because I've got a big calf muscle. So people are just like, Crocs are so ugly. Whoa, fugly shoe, fugly shoe. And I'm like, it's not a fugly shoe. It's a very wide, buoyant shoe for a woman. With... Buoyant, because it literally does float in water. <laughs> they do float, by the way. Uh, I mean, don't even get me started on their list of assets. But it's because I've got quite a wide, I've got big calf muscle. So the Croc actually balances out my leg quite well. Because I'm quite muscly. You say that, but I see you wear crops with things that don't show your legs. That's true. <laughs> see, that's the problem. I know you quite well, so. The next piece, I want to talk about your sexy phase. So what is the piece that you've chosen that makes you feel sexy? So because actually it's something I recently put on again, it's a Balenciaga 2002 like Nicholas Gesquier dress it's black very naked <laughs> like any sudden movements and like your whole boob can literally like come out of it so you gotta kind of like keep your poise safe poised in it it's open it's open backed but it's kind of got like loads of straps it's a bit fifth element mm -hmm. and I love sci-fi and I think maybe that's part of the reason that I love it. Like, it's really sexy, but it's not trashy. Like, it's a bit tech, mm -hmm. a little bit technical. It's got, like, a front page so you can keep your stuff. And, again, I feel like it's just kind of like a powerful item. But, again, it's not like a kind of like a, a flimsy woman. It's a powerful woman. It's like a, you know, that woman that Nicholas Gesquier did in that whole Balenciaga period was, like, this woman that I really related to. Also, he had like that kind of cyborg thing, you know, Yeah. this kind of amazing futuristic thing. And for me, that was so desirable because I am so into kind of like, you know, sci-fi and kind of like that era of like futurism and stuff. So, yeah, but I went through a phase of like just only wearing like really high heels, really short skirts, really tight tops <laughs> and tiny leather jackets. And I just went through this phase where I literally only left the house in like massive heels and like it was really a sexy time. <laughs> and what prompted this phase? I don't know. I think I actually, I was so obsessed with French Vogue at the time. It was like Manuel Alt and like that whole Paris Vogue time. And so I kind of emulated those women when I went to the shows and, but I used to dress like that every day. Like, and if I was going down to the shop or I was like, I'd only wear heels in a tiny skirt. Like, I couldn't not dress sexy. It's interesting because when you were younger, you were talking about how you dressed in such a masculine way. Yeah. Um, I have these two sides to my personality, though. I've got winter dude and summer babe. I kind of just switch between these two identities, I guess. 
and probably in my styling too. Like my female styling is kind of like quite romantic, actually. And my menswear is like very male. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have a distinct aesthetic as a stylist? Uh, do you know what? I do because I've been redoing my website recently with my um, web designer and I was scrolling down through everything and I was just like, whoa. Strangely, menswear, womenswear, like there is an identity there for sure, I think. Yeah. Like you can you can see it. It's like a code or something of a way of putting things together. And I think you'd see with a lot of stylists, like you can you can spot them. You can spot their work. But I think like as a stylist, you want to have an identity and a clear aesthetic or it's even the way you use colour, the way you use print, pattern, volume, whether you use heels or flats, whether you're wearing, you know what I mean? When you're styling, what what is your, there's no formula, but what would you say is the first thing that you think about? Clothes are like vocabulary or something. And you basically use the vocabulary, so it's just words, to create a story. And you do that using colour, print, shape. So on that note, I want to know what your last item is, which is the one that got away. Yeah. So this can be something that you lost or something that you always, you didn't buy that you wish you'd bought. Oh my God. So now I'm getting like a million things. So there is one thing that I lost that I miss and I think about all the time. And I collect t-shirts and I'm really obsessed with t-shirts. And this was... um an original Rolling Stone t-shirt. And it's just the logo, the yellow and red Rolling Stone. But it's like an original. And it went missing and I just don't know where it is. And I've never found it. I also have another t-shirt that's a Fred Flintstone stoner t-shirt. And it says Yabba Dabba Doobie on the front of it. And on the back, it just says straight from, <laughs> straight from bedrock to dead rock. And it's basically the Fred Flintstone and just like, lot of marijuana <laughs> um and that's also gone missing there are two things that I've lost that I that I think about a lot but I, I accept that they might I accept that they're probably gone and one of the other things is my those crocs Christopher Kane did crocs with like these amazing like little stones and like igneous rocks and semi-precious stones in them and I love a pair of them Celestine, thank you very much for being on my show. Um, and yeah, I think I might have to re record that outro because that was shit. See? <laughs> premiere! It's the premiere um, excursion of your show. Thank you for having me. 